Welcome to episode lucky number seven of the Crossplay Podcast, where we talk about PlayStation exclusive games. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally. We have to. Cross I don't play. think Microsoft knows what a game is. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm uh, Chandler Wood, Cameron Teague, Jason Faulkner, and Paul Tambora. And. Uh, Speaking of PlayStation exclusive games, let's hop right into it. Detroit Become Human reviews, uh, I guess the game is out now too, so review embargo's up, the game's out. Um, uh, Which of you reviewed it for for GR? I reviewed it. And what'd you think? I reviewed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by it, so um, I gave it a four. Out of five, not out of ten. Uh, yeah, um, I was gonna say you have to clarify out of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of five because yeah. that sounds awful. So a decent eight, I'd say. And um, yeah, I was a I was a big fan of it. I uh, I thought it was definitely Quantic Dream's best game yet. Um, still do. I, I've seen like obviously there's been a whole bunch of hot takes about it. Um, still do kind of agree with a lot of the complaints about it, but they just didn't affect my playthrough as much i think your your propensity to enjoy it is going to be firmly based on kind of what you get in your first playthrough um and kind of all of the outcomes that i had uh and all of the different things that happened to the characters in mine i enjoyed um but i think quite a few people from the sounds of it went on like more pacifist runs and played it less less violently than i did (laughs) it seems like a lot of those people are kind of struggling with it you decided to tear down the establishment that was exactly what i did well i was i was surprised by the whole thing because i I thought there there's definitely going to be some kind of um moral lecturing that's going to happen uh some finger wagging uh behind just how much of a bastard i'm being but um, there was none, and like, without going into spoilers at all, well, partial spoilers, but my ending was good, basically. It was like a good, yeah, I can see that happening. I've heard um, and played through uh, quite a few examples where it doesn't go so well and the writing isn't quite as on point and is a little bit tone deaf, but I enjoyed it. What did you think? You reviewed it for you guys, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I gave it an eight point five uh, on on our end. I I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the there are problems inherent to to tone deafness and to 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 things like that when you're covering this many themes in a story that can have that many possible yeah. branching paths. Like this isn't if if it was a, a single narrative and like a, a film that you're sitting down and watching then you can sit there and criticize like tone deafness or whatever but what i find is that if anybody had a problem with their own playthrough that's mm. their fault for making the choices they did in their playthrough because i, I mean they're, they're like david cage wrote this story and it's like no david cage wrote the options you wrote the story you're the one who made your own story your own fate with the the decisions and options that you chose to to go that route mm. like and that that's so many people are like blaming david cage for for the the poor writing and everything and you know i think he gets a bad rap honestly uh he wants to 
discuss taboo topics. He wants to uh, make games that are maybe a little bit more starkly emotional than than other games. And uh, you know, the people say that he lacks subtext to to talk about things. And it's like, well, maybe the world doesn't need a whole bunch of subtext and and stuff that's underneath maybe it needs it right there on the surface and yeah here's the topics we're talking about i I thought it was good i think too many people are focusing on uh its portrayal of certain things like like racism and and how it you know very clearly and obviously portrays that while completely ignoring numerous and multiple other themes that that it goes into and that it talks about uh you know like like the sense of family and and uh all those kind of things that the the deeper themes that it went into uh the subtext that is actually there that they're completely missing so i also yeah. think some people just don't like david cage yeah yeah and that's, there is that that's their yeah. thought and so they're going to take it out on this game because they don't like him what yeah, i said in my review was um kind of his other games aside from beyond have worked for me as guilty pleasures and i think this is the first game that i've actually enjoyed uh for its story rather than the sheer goofiness of a lot of the quantic dream games um i do kind of it's tough because i do understand the criticisms of it because i feel like sometimes it's just hitting you over the head with these metaphors like the androids having their own compartment on the back of buses and stuff and it's just a lot of the time it does feel like david cage is coming out dancing like waving his hands just singing metaphors metaphors about certain parts of the about certain parts of the game but um it's it, there's it's it it uses it uses its theme well i think uh i think it could have gone a lot worse um i was expecting it to go a lot worse I thought it was going to be like uh, driving my own train wreck uh, when I heard what Quantic Dream were going to tackle. But it's uh, definitely better than expected. Um, plus the performances, the acting is great all the way throughout the game. Uh, I think Jesse Winters and uh, Valerie Curry and Brian Deckard, I think his name is. They're like the three central uh, actors behind, the, behind Je- uh, Marcus connor and cara they're like incredible and the motion capture work is really good as well yeah it it was just really well done um i I know that some people are talking about how reviews don't talk about uh the the allegations that have been made against david cage and quantic dream you know the the work conditions at the studio Uh, my thought on that is like when you're doing a product review it's hard to and and i know that that you know, games are art yeah 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 we we should take these by what um you know it should be accounted for kind of the who the person is behind the art but at the same time that's that's one person and hundreds of people made this game i don't so, even even the case of being one person what do you do there like the it's an allegation They've taken them to court, and the UK laws, specifically UK publication, Alabama laws are like ridiculous. You, they're very, very strict. So, 
you can't really touch upon anything like that outside of reporting on it in a news story without the possibility that you do get sued. <laughs> so I don't really understand what the end game is there. I mean, you could mention it in your review, but then you are just going to mention it because if you dive in any deeper, you're kind of factoring allegations into a review of a product. Um, when did when did it matter? I'm I'm curious about the game. I'm not curious about what the studio did or didn't do, and why am I going to punish all these hundreds of people that worked on the game because one guy is has allegations against him? It's not. There's nothing's been proven. He's not no. guilty. He's never been found guilty. It's just some people said this. So are we really going to harm all these people's livelihoods because some people said some things about one guy? And what does that even matter to the game? I think what? it was it was the more about the studio cult, workplace culture there, wasn't it? Rather than I don't know whether David Cage was involved in any allegations. In fact, he might have been, but I think it was more about the whole studio. But yeah, yeah it's 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 one of those you can't really factor that into a review when it's just allegations. Yeah. There's a I mean, where would you even go aside from briefly mentioning it as a footnote in your a review? Uh, and if I mean, you did they, that, then what would be the point? I mean, are they wanting... I don't know if these people are wanting it to, you know, hey, the game was great, but um, this studio was mean. Um, yeah. So we took two points off the review. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not just that, but the, the allegations were in two French-language uh, publications, one of which is behind a paywall. So it's like you can't even... I don't, I don't read French, personally. No, that's true. Uh, so I can't even... If I did add that to a review, uh, even take the information firsthand, I'd have to go through Google Translate, which, you know, isn't the most accurate uh, way of, of reading a foreign language or, you know, find find an English based site and get secondhand information, which is probably peppered with the writer's opinion. Yeah, so it's you, like, again, it's it's a review of a product. It's not yeah. a review of Quantic Dream. It's a I, review of their game, their product. And it, it, it mirrors the same situation with uh, Kingdom Come. You know, people people thought, uh, you know, Favre's past actions should have been taken into account, uh, which which you, you can't see them in the game. You know, you can't see his Twitter account's not in the game. So when I reviewed it, I didn't take it into account. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I just think it's unprofessional as a, a product reviewer to to start delving into the people who who created the product's life and, okay. and start picking it apart out of context. I guess you could say playing devil's advocate, um, like if you're reading an album review, uh, a lot of the times the like personal opinions or past indiscretions or something of the musician would factor in. And we've seen it in film reviews too. Um, but I guess they're a lot more personal projects than something that's manufactured by a studio of what, like 100, 200 people? However many people are inside are in Quantic Dream. Uh, um, it's a lot It's yeah. a lot harder to get to 1,200 words probably with a 
movie or music review too. So you probably, <laughs> probably have to really <laughs> yeah. dive in there. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the devil's advocate side of things, I can see, you know, maybe there being an awareness of, of who you want to give your money to. Yeah. Where, okay. This is, this is a good product. It's a solid game, but here's this with, with uh, quantic dream. You decide if you want to, to give them your money. So I, but- I, kind yeah. of get it on that Mm-mm. side of things but the approach Mm-mm. to it is i think awful and that's valuable to some people because Mm-mm. some people do withhold um their money or what they're going to buy on the basis of like the personal politics or whatever of the um of of the people that they're but buying from but uh i'm not one be... of them if i dislike somebody i kind of just buy what they've made and then shake my fist quietly while listening to it or watching it <laughs> but shouldn't that be withheld for you shouldn't really it shouldn't matter unless those are proven true if those have been proven true oh, yeah. exactly then i could see bringing that up and saying hey if you really want to support this guy you know oh yeah or this studio that'd be something maybe a little bit differently but i still think it's stupid that's oh, yeah. that's the biggest thing is that it's it's allegations so what we are now or what what some of these people are now trying to do is tie in allegations to this product and so it's like can i go to these people and and their writing or their work whatever they do and say oh this person is a terrible person uh so judge their writing by that without any proof here's some allegations against this this individual so take their writing in tandem with that allegation yeah. and there are allegations that quantic dream is uh vehemently denying uh, to the point of taking these publications to court. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's not even they like, obviously oh, believe it, they have a case. <laughs> yeah. And it's not only level, you know, uh, is a factor in that, but it's, it's just kind of disrespectful to not let it be decided legally and, and start, you know, going into detail with that in your review. Yeah, and I mean it, it. It sucks too for you know the the actors that poured their hearts into this game, and you know uh, d- uh, the the three main actors like Paul you were talking about are, did an amazing mm-hmm. job. Like they're yeah. not part of Quantic Dream, and you're going to tear down their what what they did for this as well. But all of this was kind of an inevitability, wasn't it? As soon as I was writing my review, I kind of sat there and was just waiting for. All- <laughs> for all of this to happen if anything the the reaction has been more muted than i would have expected it's got a decent uh meta score um i think it's got quite a good one actually uh and i do kind of agree with the negative reviews of it but i just had a different experience to it that it didn't impact my playthrough as much as it has impacted others but i do like i like the way how it's so polarizing um, in that it seems I'm reading reviews and opinions from people who have had entirely different experiences experiences with it than me. And I feel like that's also going to happen Like now it's had its public release. Because people aren't like going to play through those 40 hours of branching paths that, that are in the game. People are going to have like a playthrough, maybe two, redo a couple of the chapters... So I think people are, are going to have completely different experiences with their friends, um, which which is really interesting to me. I'm looking forward to seeing what people what people think of it, depending on 
how they've played it because I was really surprised after my first playthrough uh, talking to a few other reviewers and them telling me how much they thought it sucked and I was really, really confident that I was going to be the only positive review out there but it seems the positive reviews that I've read are the people who've had the good initial impression of it negative are the ones who've had the negative uh, initial impression of it so I'm interested to see how it how it shakes out with, with the wider audience yeah yeah it seems to be like a, a certain corner of twitter that's kind of <laughs> just going crazy on it and and the wider reception to it is that it's it's generally a a good game good meta score awesome. and people are seem to be enjoying it like on on reddit and stuff so uh how how successful do you think uh it will be sales wise because i mean recently god of war uh is the most successful playstation exclusive ever uh we've we've found that now uh with some radical changes and the i mean we've talked about god of war on this podcast extensively before but um yeah it's well worth it i mean that that is a fantastic game how do you think detroit can uh detroit's not gonna come anywhere near it is it (laughs) no no detroit will do well i think but it it'll be well below god of war but i I think it'll do really well i I think we just reported that nino kuni had shipped like over nine hundred thousand copies yeah nino kuni too so um you know who knows i think it's that these games are launching at possibly the best time period for the ps4 at the minute um it just seems like everything that releases that's got uh more like is either a PS4 exclusive or the marketing is heavier for the PS4. Just tends to do incredibly well. So I think Detroit's going to do well. Um, I'd definitely say it's going to do better than the previous uh, Quantic Dream games. Well, it definitely is because they're both released (laughs) as PS3 exclusives. uh, You brought up the perfect time as well. And I I think you're right. There's no competition for Sony right now. And so Mm -hmm. every game they release right now this year is at the perfect time because Xbox is basically vanquished. I mean, State of Decay, I think, is doing well, but they just don't have enough games. So Sony really has no competition Yeah, with these it's, games. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a good time for them. And especially a lot with, you know, the I think the Nintendo Switch is just kind of at that point where it's re-releasing Wii U games. Like I said, the Xbox One doesn't really have that many new games coming out aside from like State of Decay to... And the PS4 is just still churning them out. I mean, Microsoft uh, yeah, and... oh, is basically having to, you know, you, you get State of Decay with the Game Pass. So it's like, even when they release a exclusive that people are kind of excited about, it's like they're giving it away for $10 a month, which is, I, I don't want to say it's desperate because I don't want to disrespect Microsoft's efforts, but, you know, it's like they're definitely on the ropes. They're they're disrespecting their own efforts at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Microsoft. Uh, I, I think if they don't have a a very strong showing at at E three this year, and I mean they they have to come out swinging. They have to really, really uh, just have a, a strong showing. If it's even mediocre at all, yeah. I think they're i mean they're they're already really done for this generation in terms of uh, you know I, I think the next two or three years belong to sony 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and this generation, what is it? Reports that it's two to one right now, or or more than two to one on sales. So for every Xbox One in the world, there's two PS4s in the world. Well, you're saying about like Xbox needing that really big show in Ethra. I've, I think we've all we all know obviously what Sony's bringing to E3. They got Death Stranding and uh, Last of Us Two and stuff. Uh, Nintendo, they're doing Smash Brothers, and then there's like. Uh, they got Pokemon Switch, and then there's been like little leaks of like a Star Fox racing game and other stuff that people have been asking. Well, people haven't been asking for a Star Fox racing game, but people have been asking for a Star Fox game. So there's little rumblings there. I've heard nothing about what Microsoft is doing for E3. Uh, they haven't got any good, really like, um, you know, barnstorming blockbuster exclusives. Uh, coming up in the near future so for their e3 they'd literally just need to have like a completely fresh slate of of games at this point which i can't see happening um you'd have heard some rumblings about something i i don't think they've got anything yeah i think just i think just the state of uh sea of thieves and state of k2 it really shows like they they don't have a lot going yeah. on. Those games were released incomplete, and I'll I'll stand by that statement. You know, uh, no matter what anyone says, those games needed about six months more development cycle. Yeah. And Microsoft was so desperate to release some kind of exclusive to push sales that they just they're just I guess going to complete them while people are playing them. Uh, and- the, the other problem that, that we see too is even if they do start fresh and have this completely new fresh slate that's that's a bunch of big exclusive titles or whatever, I think they've lost the trust of, of people because when they have put out exclusives before Quantic uh, Break, uh, Quantum Break, Quantic mm-hmm. Dream, Quantic, yeah, Quantic Break, uh, uh, what was it, ReCore, you know, these games okay, that cool. are like – they looked really cool and everybody's like, yeah, look, Microsoft's got exclusives. And then they come out and they're just, I mean, especially compared to where we're seeing Sony just hitting every single note just with all of these exclusives that are coming out. And, and then you get, I mean, even a middling game, you know, something that's a little bit more of a soft reception, like Detroit is still getting really good reception, really good conversation surrounding it. Um, and and these these other Microsoft games just seem to kind of like come out and then the conversation immediately dies. Microsoft has kind of got like an absolute massive library of like that's good I guess kind of games where they yeah. get announced and you look at the trailer and you're like mm, that's good I guess <laughs> and then <laughs> just move on to something else afterwards. Like we got I got um, a whole bunch of uh, Xbox games when the Xbox One X was sent through to a sent through to me uh, for review. Um, and I was just looking through all of these exclusives that, because they have had a relatively large amount of exclusives earlier on in the Xbox One's life cycle. And just looking at them thinking, oh yeah, I missed this. Like Sunset Overdrive uh, and Forza and the old Halo and like you said, Quantum, Quantum Break. Uh, and recall that was in there as well, and just they've had a, they've had a few, but it's just games that I'd look at and think, is that worth 
buying an Xbox One or dusting off an Xbox One. And then Sony just routinely, and Nintendo uh, with the Switch, just routinely have games where you think, right, well, I've, I've got to play that, obviously. <laughs> That's something that I need to play. The only game that they had coming that actually made me want to own one was Scalebound. Yeah. And it's no more. That was the only game that I actually watched footage of and said, I kind of want an Xbox for yeah. that. And it was Which weird I... with that because they cancelled it. And I remember thinking maybe they're just moving these funds over to different projects and are going to make... Because Scalebound look good but it's not going to be the system seller it's still like going for a niche audience and i thought maybe they're going to move these funds over to bigger projects and more popular projects and then just nothing was announced afterwards they just canned i think they canned a, a couple of games and then just that money seemed to go nowhere <laughs> uh yeah. they didn't even put it into sea of thieves because there was nothing there nothing <laughs> in that game and it's you like know, why you, it's like you guys don't have anything else going on so you should really just let whatever fly at this point. Whatever exclusives you got, just keep developing them because you, uh, I don't know. Well, you know where it seems like they're putting their money is if you, you look at it, they're trying to get back into that uh, that marketing game, that exclusive deal game with uh, with third-party releases. Um, so we saw like with the, the Battlefield 5 reveal was very heavily Xbox One. Um, yeah. They had that all over that that reveal, uh, which is is interesting coming back to that because 360 was the Xbox 360 was all over every third party game. Sony really wasn't how, doing you forget how kind of ubiquitous the Xbox 360 was at this point now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they had every marketing deal locked down back in the day. And then it 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 swapped this generation. Actually, yeah. PS4 has gotten a ton of marketing deals. Uh, yeah. Microsoft's kind of slowly trying to get those back. It's a shame, really, because it didn't even matter that much back in the day because the Xbox 360 had all of those marketing deals for, like, online-focused games. But the PS3's online was shit. So if you've got an Xbox 360 and a PS3, you're going to pick it up for the 360 anyway. Whereas this one, the Xbox One online is actually pretty good. So when there's, um, well, Xbox Live or whatever... So when there's like a console exclusive deal for these multiplayer games, it's a shame. I understand why they do it, but is there anything exclusive to the Xbox One? I didn't actually watch the Battlefield 5 reveal. Is there anything exclusive to the Xbox One or is it just marketing? I think it's just the stinger at the end saying, Battlefield 5 plays best on Xbox One. And oh, right, I got to so. wonder, does that at this point does a marketing deal for that really boost anything? I mean, most people are going to buy it for a PS4. It's, well, yeah. they're going to buy it where their friends are. Yeah. yeah. And everybody has a PS4 right now. Yeah. That's, what did everybody that think is the about biggest thing. Like, I didn't like, watch yeah, it. Yeah, this late in the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was a, an interesting new take. I mean, Battlefield's never been my flavor of shooter. No. Um and it, it looks pretty cool you know they're, they're kind of trying to take away the here is what we know about world war ii from the newsreels and from the the very serious world war ii movies that come out and it's it's got a, a splash of almost inglorious bastards to it where it's oh yeah that's exactly what i thought where it's like a completely different play on it 
which I appreciate. Honestly, I'm so tired of, I mean, I, I guess I'm just tired at this point of, of shooters so often doing the same old thing again and again and again. And so whenever they actually deign to, oh, yeah. to go out there and do something new with it, I'm like, okay, let's, let's, yeah. let's give this a try. Let's take a, have a new, interesting, you know, kind of goofier take on, on world war two, uh, that's kind of more intense and sure. Let's, let's try it. <laughs> well, this is it because you've kind of got the two avenues of the shooters. You've got the ones who go, uh, like into the forties that are like, you know, air quotes, realistic, or then you've got the not so distant future, uh, multiplayer shooters that, even though they're all different games, still seem to come from the same universe and do the same things. So it seems like every soldier in the future is like war running. Um, and you only have read the two, like either you go old or you go modern with the same sci-fi vibe. Whereas I like this one because it's, it's going back, it's it's re-exploring World War Two. But we've had loads of World War Two games at this point. I have no idea what people's problem is with a World War Two game just exploring that era but with a different twist on it we could have a realistic world war ii game if they wanted but we've had a few that have tried to do that by now i don't know why we need to redo it over and over again i mean uh call of duty did it last year call of duty world war ii i which was a great solid game solid campaign exploring world war ii i felt it was a little bit tame at times but uh yeah, we've we've had that, we've done that. I think Battlefield Five looks really interesting, and a lot of the stuff they're they're doing with it this year too is really innovative. Where you know your your progress will carry over across all different modes that you can possibly play. They've got a mode called Grand Operations that's like four different gameplay modes that you can possibly play, leading into what sounds like a a battle royale game as the final mode if it comes to that so it's like you're almost in this theater of war where mode one is you airdrop in and there's like a certain you know capture the enemy base game mode and then day two is some other game mode day three is another game mode And if you get to day four where you're tied and it's a stalemate day four becomes a battle royale like glass man standing sort of game mode it's it it seems really interesting the the stuff that they're they're doing with it. I still don't think Battlefield is my shooter of choice. Um, just with how it plays, the gunplay and everything, I've never been a fan. But mm. I I'm really open to to what they're doing with it, and it's actually got me curious. Yeah, I usually I'll... prefer Battlefield to Call of Duty myself. Yeah, I prefer Battlefield to Call of Duty. I prefer. I'm just not too good at it, which is the issue. You kind of have to really stick it through with a Battlefield game and get to grips with all the guns. And if you're like me and kind of dip in and dip out of multiplayer shoot, every multiplayer shooter aside from Overwatch, <laughs> where I just play religiously, um, then it's it's difficult to keep up with. But I was definitely more interested in that reveal than I was the uh, Black Ops 4 reveal. Oh, uh, they revealed something? <laughs> <laughs> You didn't have. Uh, I quite liked Black Ops 4. Yeah. What do you think of Battle Royale? 
hey, hey, you know, battle royales, whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm not down on that that side of things necessarily. It depends on what they reveal for it. If you know, yeah. if they, because because Black Ops Four actually will be the first triple A like polished and fully developed uh, battle royale game. Yeah, or I yeah, guess you know, actually, mode within the game. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of an interesting way to look at this is the first time that it's not been some early access game that came along and was like, yeah, we're we're doing Battle Royale. Here it is. I mean, Fortnite is technically still in early access, right? Uh, uh, save, save the World hasn't officially released yet to do the Save the World side. You still have to buy the, the Founders packs. I guess so. yeah. I don't think it's classified as early access. Um, it's definitely the first one that's kind of been built from the ground up, I guess, at the beginning. I'm not sure whether Fortnite's early access. Um, now, I did one thing that I'm interested in with the Black Ops Four is how it's managed to convince me that I want to play zombies because zombies is objectively the worst mode in video games. There's no opinions <laughs> on the side. It's the very worst mode in all of games, and I. It's the one mode that, when people say that they enjoy it. I judge them immediately. I don't understand how you can enjoy. It's just waves and waves of enemies. It's dull. And it's always been so, so basic. But now it actually looks decent. They've got the whole uh, live service thing that they're trying to incorporate into it where they're just going to have maps keep popping up and whatever, um, which suits me down to the ground because the one thing that I could never understand about zombies is that these people were just really uh interested in playing the same map with the same objectives over and over again um i'm really looking forward to zombies this time i think it's the secrets i think that's what what keeps people coming back to to zombies is discovering all the little little easter eggs and secrets and it's i mean the objectives are not straightforward and it's very difficult and very much for the hardcore players um but you know there there is a definitely a very interesting side of it once you kind of break through that that uh yeah on the on the casual side of it and the casual side of it is very very uh there's a very wide ravine from that to the the deep secret side of it which i think um I, i'm hoping with this one that they do actually bridge that gap a little bit more uh, for the the people who just want to play casually, where it does just end up being waves and waves of zombies, and the people who are super super hardcore and want to get all the secrets and the narrative and and the story that the zombies campaigns hold, because I think yeah. it sucks that the campaign is locked behind secrets and Easter eggs and really 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 difficult tasks. But like I want to experience that story, but I can't because I'm too busy taking on. 15 giant rotting dead things well it's on the titanic now isn't it so which one brings of them us yeah. one step closer to getting zombie sharks so that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah more than on that when i saw that it was on a boat my mind just immediately went to well that's zombie sharks <laughs> that's where we're going now <laughs> yeah it'll it'll launch with three zombies campaigns actually there will be a uh, gladiatorial arena there will be the titanic one and then there will be a rework of one of the old uh fan favorite zombie maps or whatever from black ops history uh but the multiplayer on it i thought felt really good it's it uh 
it edges towards Overwatch a little bit. I, I got to play it at the reveal. Um, and I, I don't want to say it's copying Overwatch and it's it's like Overwatch because it's definitely still Call of Duty, but it it's edges a little it? bit. Yeah, it's it's class based now, and so it edges a little bit more towards that that tactical where where I can feel powerful and useful and helpful now for playing a team player. They actually have a medic in Call of Duty, so you're not you know maybe you're the guy who's like, well, I healed my team a bunch, or I boosted this guy's damage, or I blocked off an entrance with my my barbed wire or barricade or whatever um so you can feel more useful even if you're not the guy that's like fast-paced uh 360 no scope kill death ratio being a a support class in a call of duty game is going to be the most thankless task imaginable (laughs) (laughs) i I can't i was just i mean i play i support main uh usually in like overwatch and other uh, shooters and it's already thankless in those games that are specifically geared to that kind of thing. But in Call of Duty, it's just going to be like one little like really timid looking man just chasing after these warlords who are like diving over fences and stuff and desperately trying to bandage them up. It ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see see how it, it all ultimately shakes out. But uh, my, my early impressions of it were... Good and it. I mean, it felt good to me to play because I felt like I was succeeding, even though I wasn't necessarily the one on the front lines getting every single kill. You know, when I was doing a little bit more of the support stuff, uh, the 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 team focus is a little bit more interesting now, which I I really enjoy. So, as class based, can you only pick? Can it be? Can several people pick the same character? Or no, no, oh, one class. Okay. So once once you pick that that one class, that's that's it. So if you have the one guy that wants to be, you know, ruin, which is the the kind of Titan Slam, you know, get in there and and fuck some shit up type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, nobody else can be him, so you can't have this team full of ruins all just zipping in and and with their little grapple hook and titan slamming and blowing everybody up you you have to pick somebody else yeah i missed that um, bit because when they announced the guy who just had the grapple hook i just thought well there's just going to be six of those knocking around there's not going to be anybody as a as a medic when you've got grapple hook boy <laughs> no no just one grapple hook boy <laughs> oh, okay uh but uh speaking of of overwatch uh mm-hmm. and, and that side of things i guess the overwatch developers have discussed a potential sequel they did um it wasn't they didn't it sounds more optimistic in terms of the sequel than it actually is it was basically they had um an interview uh with GameSpot, i think it was and they were just discussing uh like the possibility of of a sequel and they essentially just said that while well, it's a thing that they obviously contemplate eternally um they are more focused on working on the game in its current state and delivering more events and stuff which i completely agree with there's no need for an overwatch 2 for a good couple of years i don't think the community is on the decline at all um there's still things that need changing and as i i said to my friends who uh, we all uh regularly play as like a party um it's one of those games where you can't believe it. Like I know it's only been two years, but that's like an infinite amount of time in game years. Uh, and they still launch these events, and people are still really excited about it. 
the anniversary event comes up, people want to flood to it. Oh, I want to still when I find out a new event's come up. Uh, I'm not even interested in cosmetics as a rule, but I'm like, oh, May's wearing pajamas now. Got to go in there and have a look. And, <laughs> well, uh, the, the last yeah. event that they did was, I think, the the biggest event. Uh, it, it had the biggest attach rate ever, the one just before this anniversary event, oh, which is it? like an event nearly two years into a game's life cycle is the biggest one they've ever done. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, the game changes all of the time, so I'm not sure whether any of you play it frequently still, um, but essentially, before, there was like a whole, obviously, the meta game, um, before it was very focused on a few specific heroes, uh, they call it the dive comp, where you uh, make a hero weaker, uh, and then everybody just focuses a specific uh, target, like the weaker target of the team, usually the healers. Um, but then they like they'll introduce a new hero, and it won't just be like a popular choice. It will completely change the way that the game's played on like a competitive level. So, um, the new hero, uh, Brigitte. I don't know how to say her name. I'll just keep calling her Brigitte. Um, she <laughs> she was introduced, and they're just the game's completely different now. Um, it's it's just it's far easier to uh it, it it's. It's not as based around the whole everybody focus on the uh, healers at the back and stuff. Um, so it's just interesting to just play a game that can just constantly keep reinventing itself. And it's not like it's had an, a massive influx of content at all. Uh, it's just a steady stream. But each time something new is dropped, it's just completely different. So. Yeah, it's uh, I, honestly, I think the, the best thing that Overwatch could do is ride out the rest of this generation of consoles lifecycle uh, mm. on on Overwatch alone, make Overwatch 2 a launch title for the next generation of consoles. And that's a great way to sell people on Overwatch 2. It's a great w- way to sell people on the next generation of consoles. Uh, it's kind of a, a win-win overall. I feel the same thing about Destiny Three, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, if and when, I mean, it's it's inevitably coming. Uh, I've always maintained that, like, let Destiny Two live out the rest of its life. Let them keep improving that game for the rest of this console life cycle. Because I don't want a new Destiny game or a new Overwatch game or you know these these living games that they support long term. I want them to keep going and to keep living until I'm forced to buy a new console and, and yeah. get the new game on that console that, that kind of makes the huge leap forward, takes full advantage of of everything new. I think in the case um, of Destiny, if they were to release the Destiny 3, even within the next couple of years, I think it would really, really suffer. I think it's something that needs... It needs people to sit on for a few years now to forget <laughs> what what why they've been why they've disliked it so much well and yeah with, yeah with the overwatch there's no rush for them to to do anything new i don't think as far as a new game because each character does a great job of basically making it like you were saying paul it almost makes it a new game yeah they've really thought out each character very well and and put them in in the right times and and really, each character has changed the dynamic. Yeah, and it, it it always surprises me how it changes it in a way that you kind of um, don't expect either. So just the addition of um, Bridget uh, has 
completely changed the way that people were approaching attack attacking in the game uh, with her being able to stun and uh, just swiftly take down people who are causing trouble in the back line and stuff and so it's 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 amazing how the addition of one character can then make four characters so much more powerful and four characters so much weaker and I think just rebuilding that from... Well, I guess they wouldn't rebuild it from scratch in an Overwatch 2. I guess it would roughly keep the same gameplay and stuff. But to make something that's a worthwhile sequel, you're going to want a notable change. And I think a, making a notable change away from Overwatch as it is now just isn't necessary at this point. They've, they've, it, it's, it's good as it is. Uh, and just completely build rebuilding it from the ground up would undo what has just been two years of really really good work well and and uh speaking of of next generation when you're moving to like the the playstation 5 i mean previously as we've moved generation to generation um technology the way that technology has grown i mean from like ps1 to ps2 uh, and and I'm going to stay PlayStation related on this, but this kind of applies all around. Um, but like we could play our PlayStation One games on the PlayStation Two. It was backwards compatible. Uh, early PS3 was backwards compatible, uh, but then was made not backwards compatible. Uh, the hardest thing about moving from PS3 to PS4 was feeling like I was losing my entire library. Yeah. Um, of of PS4 games, I'm not looking for backwards compatibility as a thing to go back and play a super old 20 year old game that that that's never going to happen i'm I'm not going to do that with all the things i have to play now um what i'm looking for in backwards compatibility is not losing my current library that i have being able to finish up my backlog and and play things and not feel like things that i bought and were, were playing within like the last year of a console's life cycle aren't worthless to me now there are a ton of ps3 games that i got close to the end of the ps3's life cycle right before ps4 launched that i still have not gone back and played because i just haven't turned on my ps3 again uh so there's evidence that's kind of coming out now with with uh, ps5 a little more on the horizon that the ps4 will or the ps5 will actually be backwards compatible with uh the playstation 4 library um in in some way and at the very least i want them to carry over like my digital library yeah because i i bought all those games and i should be able to 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 load those up and play them on my ps5 from my playstation's you know psn account or whatever i I only care if it doesn't um bump the price up because i found myself i was a big component of backwards compatibility but i never used it no you know, so it really doesn't matter to me one bit. When I'm ready to move to the PS5, PS4 be damned, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm on to the PS5, you know. So it doesn't matter to me, and I would be really frustrated if the PS5 price is ridiculous, or, yeah. you know, higher because they added backwards compatibility. You know, make it an option. Here's a PS5 console that has it. Here's one that doesn't. Yeah. Like the Xbox 360 where it was like here's your Xbox 360 where you've got like one megabyte of saved data and then here's one where you've got 10, 10 gigabytes <laughs> uh, I'm theoretically uh, into the idea of backwards uh, compatibility but as uh, Cameron said I would not use it 
as soon as I've bought my PS5, um, I might as well just take an axe to my PS4 because I'm just selling it. My PS4 has just <laughs> been sold. So. Well, it which, also depends exactly on launch titles. Go, Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, you go ahead. All right, I, I got this one. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's exactly why it needs that support, though, because you're taking an axe to that your your PS4 and it's done, and then it just feels like this whole PS4 library that you have. Like if if you sell off, so when you bought your PS4 and you sold mm-hmm. off your PS3, you can sell off your PS3 physical games along with the PS3, call it done, call it good, and and that's all that's all good. Uh, you sell off your PS4, and if you have all of these digital games in your PlayStation, you know your your PSN library, you can't sell those along with the console. Your, I mean, unless you sell oh, your yeah. PSN account along with but the console. But you knew that but, when you bought them digitally in the first place. But there's gotta yeah. be the calm. Look, I, I I don't know the the technicalities behind it, but it can't be that difficult for your digital library to be transferred over. I mean, digital games seem to be it's quite an easy process of having them. It's not like where the uh, PS5 uh, would need some um, hardware for it to be able to run PS4 discs. So um, the, the difference there is that the PS3 was running on the cell processor, and mm-hmm. with the, the PlayStation 4, they moved to AMD Jaguar, I believe. was It was a modified Jaguar uh, chip. Uh, or CPU or whatever. I'm not fully uh, tech savvy on all this, but I, I kind of did some reading up on it when I did this story. Um, with the PS5, the the rumors right now and what it's looking like is that they're working with AMD Ryzen, uh, right. which is scalable and compatible with AMD Jaguar. So because they're moving kind of within the same CPU family, uh, uh, manufacturer, chipset and everything it should be much easier for them to scale the the you know whatever however techno babble it all works uh scale the the ps4 games uh to work on that processor chip or cpu chip or whatever right yeah i mean the uh the lines between consoles and pcs are blurring anyway because as you said uh Everything uses an x86 instruction set now, which is one of the reasons we're getting some decent ports instead of just like nasty, you know, broken (laughs) games for PC. Uh, And I think that's uh, I I think part of the moving to that was uh, future proofing. You know, Uh, PS4 was the first uh, machine by Sony that didn't have a custom architecture. It has a custom chip, but, you know. It's the first one to use a common instruction set. And I think that's going to really help them with the PS5, especially because, uh, you know, long tail software sales is going to be more and more important because like God of War, for example, uh, has a lot more staying power than a game from 10 years ago does today. Like they're still going to be able to sell God of War, you know, five years from now. And it's not going to be like, you know, people aren't going to be like, oh, this looks like crap now. Uh, and I think that Overwatch has the same thing going for it. You know, it doesn't look dated. Games are going to have more and more staying power as, you know, technology advances. And uh, I don't know. I don't think the next generation is going to bring that significant jump in graphics that, uh, 
you know, this one did from the PS3, PS4, Xbox 360 to Xbox One. Well, so, when, you, um, when you look at like uh, uh, games that came out right at the end of the PS3 mm-hmm. life cycle, The Last of Us, uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, you know, all these games that that came out, they looked amazing, they played amazing, they were they were great games then. But like, I didn't want to rebuy Grand Theft Auto Five on my PS4. No. I, and I still haven't. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. But I think I may have played it more had the compatibility carried forward. Uh, same with like The Last of Us. Last of Us was a fantastic game, and until they released Last of Us Remastered on on PS4 for people to to actually get it and play it on their PS4, it was kind of locked to the the last generation. And and like you said, there's kind of that staying power of like God of War, Spider Man, of of all of these games that that will be coming. Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, uh, uh, Death Stranding. <laughs> um, uh, that was actually their original working title for it. And they changed it to something a little more, <laughs> uh, all, all of these games that are coming out that, that we may see right at the end of the PS4 life cycle leading into the PS5. If instead of making two versions of the game, if you make one version of the game that is compatible with both PS4 and PS5, then you, you kind of almost, you bridge that gap where where a console transition is really difficult for a lot of people and they can't justify it um it it makes it a lot easier for people to to move up because they're like oh i can buy a ps5 but i can also still uh play ghost of tsushima i can also still play death stranding uh i you know i never picked up spider-man when it was out a couple of years ago so let me pick that up and play it on my ps5 too and but then also on the flip side of things, like obviously, as you said, it makes that transition easier for some people. But then how much uh, revenue would they lose out on by not just being able to release remasters when there's dry spells? I mean, I'd rather it would be you'd just be able to carry over PS4 games to PS5. But I bet you there's people internally at Sony who are just like, well... If we do make backwards compatibility, then how are we going to release Spider-Man PS4 remastered? Remastered, and how are we going to release God of War remastered? I mean, they they probably make that up for people who maybe skip the PS4. Like, if I skip the PS4 and the back, PS5 is backwards compatible, I'm a lot more likely to go back and buy PS4 games if I miss that whole generation. You know. Hmm. You don't get like the uh, the whole marketing behind it then though of the of the re-release and it looking. Then again, I guess Xbox One's proved that you can, Xbox One X even that the enhanced games can still look really good. Even and PS4 Pro. Red Dead Red Dead. No, but the Xbox One X has got its uh, enhanced library, hasn't it? With um and I, I, I haven't actually got a chance to play it yet, but the old uh, Red Dead Redemption. Um, apparently oh, yeah, that's it's 4K. enhanced now for Xbox One. It looks amazing. Yeah, that that is a point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, with with the architecture, uh, kind of like like Jason was talking about with the the architecture that they're working with, with more of the PC esque architecture. I think developers will have more options to be able to kind of crank up their their graphics settings and stuff, so they can go back and they can say, "Hey, we've released a PS5." You know, already they're doing this with the Pro, where they're releasing a Pro enhanced patch. You know, and they're enhancing it for Pro, and and uh, it runs better, looks better. You can do different things with it on on the Pro versus the standard PS4. 
they can just do the same thing with the PS5. Essentially what the PS5 will and I think should be is is the PS4 Pro Pro. <laughs> it yeah. will be just the next iteration beyond that where it will be a step up. There, I, I, I think there will be dedicated PS5 games that will not work back on like the standard PS4, but I think... Uh, those those lines are they're starting to blur and we're going to see things that uh, that will work you know this game will come out and it'll be a version of the game that will work on ps4 pro and ps5 you'd want Um, like things that have like the the traditions of a a new console launch like the new ui uh improved online functionality uh different services but then with the option of having the ps4 games carry over i guess I think also, just from a consumer perspective, I don't. I think a lot more of the casual audience is now more aware of um, PC gaming. So I don't even know whether they they would get away with not allowing those to carry over, considering a lot more people are into PC gaming now and are fully aware that they can just keep that library for as long as they have an internet connection or whatever, or as long as Steam stays stable. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's something that that they're gonna that they're gonna have to do. I mean, when when you're when you're asking about uh, re-releasing old games and how they would uh, kind of make up for that, you know, Jason hit on that that it will that'll be covered by people who will be just buying the old PS4 version anyway, mm-hmm. rather than the new remastered version because they they don't have to call it remastered, they don't have to call it anything, and they can just still kind of sell that on. Uh, They've also there also have been discussions about a, like a PlayStation Classic. I mean, if you want to go really far back, kind of like the NES, SNES Classic, um, yeah, and that that would be kind of a cool thing for some people, I guess. I mean, I'm working on our <laughs> I'm working on our Sega Genesis Classics review right now, and I'm I'm playing through that. And I'm playing through some of these games, and I'm going okay. But why? Like, why am I playing this? Sure, these are fun, and it's it's a good nostalgic evening or two but i just desperately want to get back to playing my now games yeah <laughs> there's a lot of people who are really into it's still a uh, lot like going back and playing like retro games i guess um i understand it from like a collector's perspective um like i've got quite a few old consoles knocking around just on the basis that i like to have them and i like to see the old games but then actually playing them in like a self-contained new console they don't hold up. <laughs> None of these, hold. especially, I mean, with the uh, uh, SNES Classic, that holds up because um, 2D games from that era do. They still look good, um, even compared to a lot of nowadays standards because the pixel art still looks great. Early 3D games, though, they do not look good and they do not play good. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's smart on Sony's part, though, to try to get in on that. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I mean, granted, I already own a PS1 still, and the only way I would buy it is if they made all those games have trophies. That's about the only way you could get me to replay anything that old. Yeah, I'm no. not sure why no one's done a live service for this yet. I mean, we had the, the NES and SNES Classic, but I, I think really you could splinter off and make a, a you know a sub one hundred dollar PlayStation Classic. And just sell games as a live service with trophies, you know, and 
you know, maybe they throw in online multiplayer, you know, that's what games. Genesis Classics did with with their little collection. That's one of the good things they did is they have online multiplayer with all that's the classic quite, games. That's happened quite a few times with like, but with shit companies. So there was like that on live thing that just sat on the top of your TV, and didn't they? Ooh yeah, didn't they? Ooh yeah, did that. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Pretty sure yeah. Ooh yeah, did that. But with two platforms, you know, you're not you're not detracting from marketing the PS4. No. And you're making it really clear that like, oh, you like retro stuff, get the PS Classic. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I think Nintendo could do that too, especially since they don't want to do virtual console or whatever. You know, they should just release something so that people can play their old games and buy them for the sixth or seventh time. Well, that would, that would, <laughs> that would, that would make Nintendo money, so they won't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm even thinking that like Sony could do that as a marketing move for the. You know, they they announced the PlayStation Five and they announced they're going to go into like some digital, digital classics subscription. So you know, for for whatever amount a month you can play every PS One game. I mean, they they kind of already have that with PlayStation now. I I just think their their marketing could really shift with it. I was surprised. I um recently got a PlayStation Now subscription. Well, about two months ago. Surprised that that's like good, and they just don't talk about it. It actually is a pretty cool service. I I remember trying it out. I just never had that much desire. Anything that came up on it, I had already played. Oh yeah, they've got quite a few good games in there now. I'm not sure whether it differs from like UK to US, but. I didn't play any of the old God of War games, and when God of War 4 released, they had all of them on there. Um, it would be good, like, if on the actual uh, UI for the, the hub or whatever it is, uh, what do you call it, the landing page for the PS4 when you log in, um, if they had, uh, like, an actual library of the games you can get there, because if I would have known some of these games were on PlayStation now, I would have downloaded it a lot sooner. Uh, I just heard that it, when it launched, there was just nothing on there. Um, but now there's quite a few games. You got like Red Dead Redemption, Beyond Two Souls, uh, even more recent games are just on there. It's pretty decent service if you want to go back and and they seem to do like deals when new games are released. Like I said, with like God of War and stuff and Quantic Dream. So they had like Beyond Two Souls and uh, I know Until Dawn wasn't made by Quantic Dream, but it's similar. And Until Dawn was on yeah. there as well. So it's a pretty cool little service. Just don't know why they don't they don't make more of it. Yeah, they just kind of hide it. Yeah, what the PlayStation View? I can understand why they do it with the PlayStation View because it's fucking embarrassing. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's got that. Yeah, well, and and uh, one other thing that just won't seem to die is uh, uh, portable PlayStation Portable gaming. I mean, it's it's hanging on by a thread, but apparently Sony's not giving up on. <laughs> on doing portable gaming stuff. This is a really PlayStation centric episode. I think uh, Jason and me working on your website now. <laughs> well, well, PlayStation Sony had their big IR, their their investor yeah. relations uh, thing, which there there were a lot of reveals that came out of it recently. Yeah. Plus, uh, like we said earlier, it's not like Microsoft has much going on no, right now. <laughs> uh, well, I'd like to what? see them prove that they're not giving up on it because I haven't really seen much proof of that in the last year or two. The Vita kind of got like wheeled out and then got thrown straight off the edge of a cliff. And the Vita was a really nice console as well. Yeah. I uh, love it. 
I was really impressed with it. It's just got absolutely nothing on there. Specifically, if you wanted to JRPGs. It got hurled off a cliff, but it's just hanging onto a branch now, just like, ah, I'm still yeah. down here. <laughs> it got you know, discontinued, but then also still, uh, what is it, discontinued, but then Japan are still publishing games for it. I don't know why, they, they just need to have a press release so we can all start reporting on it. Let's just start, look, the Vita's doing shit. We're definitely not bothering with it that much. But still, we just have to go through the ring where it's like, oh, the Vita's officially dead. Oh, no, it's not actually because Japan is still publishing games. I looked at it, it's not even, considering how shit it's like, been, it's not that low down on the list of like top-selling consoles. You'd definitely think it would do better for like you know an actual decent play- portable PlayStation. But it's not like... You're not going into like Atari Jaguar uh levels of <laughs> shit sales or whatever yeah you know it, the th- it's doing it's doing all right um i think it was just ahead of its time yeah the thing that killed it for me was uh there was the remote play which i really thought was awesome and uh still like the concept and i know that they built the vita at least somewhat around the remote play concept but they didn't put an r2 L2 yeah. or L3 R3. So it really limits you. Touch badly. screen and back touch screen, but yeah, that, that was really cumbersome to try and... Yeah. You could barely play so, most games with it. I remember trying to play FIFA with it and there, was no, there wasn't even a way to remap it, was there? Just because those buttons just weren't there? No, there was you, just no you're kind of screwed. I, I think it's best for like an RPG that... Oh, yeah. To... I think it would have been amazing if they would have just put those buttons because the remote play actually works fairly well, at Very least well. In, mm-hmm. on the same network. I haven't really tried. It I, outside the house. I managed to do remote play from Idaho to Utah, which I know that probably doesn't mean anything to most people who are not around here, but you know, that's, that's a good few, few hundred good miles at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did it actually go that far? I thought it was just the same Wi-Fi connection. No, no. I, I have remote played from my mother-in-law's house in Idaho back to my PS4 here in, in Utah. I have remote played off of airport Wi-Fi's on my, it was laptop remote play, the, yeah. the remote play application. And I just plugged in a DualShock 4 to my laptop and was sitting and playing, I think I was playing like Attack on Titan or something in the airport. Uh, off my PS4 from home. I mean, that's, so that, I find that's it, a good Wii U. I find it working better off the the PC or laptop remote play. My Vita remote play is extremely spotty. I I can be in another room in my house from the PS4, and my remote play constantly has issues. It's it just, yeah. I've noticed the yeah. Wi-Fi on it. You really need to be pretty close by the router. But that's the 3DS was like that too. It seems like, it like that. It seems like Sony kind of farts out ideas, and then they're good, but then doesn't particularly bother with them after, unless they're an actual dedicated home console. Like PlayStation VR, really good technology. Uh, I guess the market wasn't that great for VR in the end, but they could have probably changed that by bringing out an affordable virtual reality headset. And then kind of just looked like they'd forgotten about it afterwards. Still occasionally release games for it. Never really locked down a big franchise or anything for the for the VR aside from Resident Evil 7, I guess. But um, 
It just seems like they just release things, and if they aren't their PlayStation 3s or PlayStation 4s or PlayStation 5s, they don't really give it that much of a shit about supporting them afterwards. Wonderbook. Yeah, they like... Oh, God, Wonderbook. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That was the... Uh... Was that the spell casting thing from that one A three that was really awkward? <laughs> yeah, they had uh, they had three games for Wonderbook that ever released. I think like that that? that and, and you, what's funny too is Wonderbook was wonderful. <laughs> it was it was a great little uh, was augmented reality thing. Like Book of Spells was a lot of fun and it was was interesting and a really cool idea and it worked really well. It just didn't get the, their marketing behind it was really awkward and weird yeah that's always been their issue is the the marketing of these things and yeah. they do act like a kid at times that just doesn't have the attention span it's like oh we love vr we love vr and then eight months later it's like vr what it's always just jumping on something that somebody else has done making something that's actually quite good with it like the move that was just obviously the Wii remote but then much more accurate before like the Wii Motion Plus sensor had come out. Uh was much more accurate. Actually had like two decent launch games. It had T V Superstars, which if you're not into <laughs> minigame collections, then you're not gonna like it. But it was really fucking funny. Uh but then after they'd got it out of the system, that was it then. Just it had been swept under the carpet and nobody bothered with it anymore. Yeah, I mean they're they're still supporting VR a little bit. There's there's gonna oh, be yeah. some stuff at at E3, and I I will say they're they're doing more to support VR than they ever did for the Vita. Uh, you know, within a year or two after it launched, well, it's just not they, good. Support, they fucked though. themselves with the Vita though, with the uh the memory card pricing. Oh yeah, and then oh, it yeah. just never got better from there. Hmm. It's still not good. It's I it have three memory so cards, much for those. and they're all the eight gig ones, and I just switch them out as i need to play a different game yeah that was ridiculous the memory cards it's like it. here go go buy a, a 300 dollar uh uh portable and then spend a third of that on a memory card to actually be able to hold a decent amount of games yeah i'll theoretically be excited for a new playstation portable because like there's some very easy mistakes that they could learn from that would make it a really really good console but i just really really don't trust them to actually carry up on it after launching it well just look at it this way they started with the psp and they've gotten better with each one i mean i'm not going to count the go because that was just absolutely garbage but you know they're getting better this third one might actually be a really really good one that they support yeah maybe. just copy the switch yeah just ps5 the switch, switch yes. with a nice screen i think PS5, but the five okay. is the s in switch so like PS Switch, <laughs> 5 Switch, I don't know. be edgy. I don't, like, this is another thing as well. How is a portable console going to exist in a post-Switch world? How is that going to work? I think they could do it fine. I, I think you continue on the same path with remote play. You make the screen a little bit bigger. You add the extra buttons because fuck touchscreen buttons. <laughs> and I think you're fine. Yeah. I think the Vita is a very good console that just had her handheld that just had a couple of tweaks it needed and a little bit better support. I guess the benefit that have over it is that I should imagine there'd be uh, a lot more support for, I guess, more 
adult-oriented games that people wouldn't necessarily get on the uh, on the Switch. Um, I do think it's going to be a struggle for people who are trying to go portable, though, unless they're just completely copying the Switch. But maybe plays. If anybody's going to do it, Sony could potentially do it. It's just whether they're going but to support it afterwards. You mentioned the moves. So so uh, Sony comes out with the moves as a response to the Wiimote. Yeah. Come out with whatever kind of improvement on what the Switch does for the PS5. Call it good. Yeah. Again, they definitely can. And they have in the past. They have improved on popular things, but then... If it's not if it's not PlayStation number, then they just don't seem to give that much of a shit. It's true. Uh, speaking of of numbers, we glazed over this one a little bit earlier when we were talking about kind of uh, successful uh, stuff. But just real quick here, Yakuza Six actually had the biggest U.S. launch of the entire series. Which the Yakuza series is a, is a weird one because it's a, a great game, but it's also a really niche game. Uh, so it's interesting that it's getting a lot more reception uh, and, and is doing really well in the U.S. I think yeah, it's I think that it's they've spe- overloaded you with it. Go ahead. Oh, I think it just speaks to the fact that people are, are tired of the same, you know, yearly franchise entries. You know, it's it's weird. It's offbeat. And I think pe- that's what people are looking for right now. Which is funny because it's almost become a yearly franchise because here yeah. in the last year and a half, they've released like four different games. And yeah, now well, they're they're coming two, out three, and four yeah. are all coming to the yeah. PS4 soon. Yeah, which is awesome. How much, <laughs> I'm really quite surprised that Yakuza 6, how many, what, did they, did they yeah. not give numbers? Did they just say that it's the biggest launch? They just said the biggest launch. I mean, it, I think it topped 17th on the top 20 chart, which is really good for it, I guess. You know, it it does a great job of, I recently picked it up, and it really makes you feel the pains of being a dad, which I experience firsthand. And then I'm playing this game, and I'm like, holy crap, this kid's annoying me the same way my kid annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to get this kid happy, and I have no idea what he's mad about. And I'm like, they really nailed this whole being a dad thing. I might, uh, I might pick it up just to get a little glimpse into your life, so I can play it for a week, and then uh, you can message me and say, Paul, are you ready to do the podcast? And then I'll just the- reply by going, oh, I guess so. Uh, Where's that fucking European? (laughs) I haven't had a lot of chances to actually walk up to thugs, hand my baby to a stranger and say, here, hold my kid, and then beat the shit out of him and then pick back up my kid and walk on. (laughs) I I I can't say there are any other games that give you that. I'm surprised that Yakuza 6 did better than Yakuza 0 because Yakuza 0 did quite well, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think they finally, now that they've, seeing that there's a market for it out west they finally just started to put more effort into bringing them over and maybe you know bringing them over fairly quickly which is which is great news it's an amazing series yeah yeah i'm i'm hoping the uh, fist of the north star game from them makes it over somehow it will but i hate fist of the north star so i'm okay if it doesn't ever <laughs> <laughs> I think Sony's done quite a good job of um, introducing people to a lot of these more, I guess you'd say niche, niche for Western standards, but not for Japanese standards. Um, games like with Persona 5 being so popular last year, 
Was it last oh, year? Oh yeah, yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah, I think people are just generally more well. I don't more welcome in this kind of thing. I don't think it would have done so hot maybe like two years ago or something. I think it's just the right time. Um, because I never really ventured into Japanese games. Really, I was never really that concerned. And then it's only been recently with them a lot of them coming over via console that other people have imported and whatever. Um, but it's only recently they're making the way to like the PS4 and stuff that I've been like, yeah, I actually really do enjoy these kinds of things. Well, and, and word of mouth marketing does wonderful for for these kinds of things too. I mean, both of these are are games that through traditional marketing, I don't think I would have ever been particularly interested in, but through kind of the more viral marketing and through following personalities rather than than you know, advertisements, uh, I became a lot more interested in, in both of those games. Oh, yeah. It's just interesting as well, just having these stories that, because obviously a lot of games are from an uh, American, Western perspective. It's um, nice to actually be able to branch out into games from a completely different perspective than what I'm used to. Now we just need a British game. We haven't had a British game in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got, we got a French just... game from Quantic Dream, right? That's <laughs> just close enough. Wasn't Sea of Thieves of Sea of Thieves was a British game. We saw how that turned out. <laughs> Shipwrecked. Uh, <laughs> all right. So oh, final gosh. final little bit of uh sad news. Total Biscuit, he was a mm. YouTuber, game critic, uh known as the cynical Brit, uh John Bain. He passed away, uh, well, yesterday when we're recording this, but I guess last week by the time you hear this, uh, from from cancer. He was battling that for a little while. And I don't know that we need to go into it and him yeah. that much, but just, you know, it. whenever a life is lost, it's always sad, sucks. So, you know, RIP, heart goes out to his wife and everything. Mm-hmm. Um and fuck cancer right <laughs> yeah uh, it's a real shame it was quite shocking considering like obviously he'd been told that um that he was kind of on the decline but was still he remained kind of positive throughout that you've seen on like social media and stuff and then he kind of just yeah just the news yesterday is kind of shocking yeah it was a little little sudden uh when it happened mm-hmm. but 33 years old that's that's way too young yeah it is <laughs> for for anybody i mean that's regardless of what people think about him but you know that's that's for another time and i don't think uh necessarily appropriate for the conversation no, or not, surrounding yeah. his yeah. his passing um yeah so yeah and on that somber note did we get any uh any <laughs> uh reader no listener comments never. questions never never no. do, here's here's the probably the better question do we get any listeners <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take questions me. off the end of that and just say do we get any listeners if we do yeah. comment below and just say like here or yes or <laughs> Yeah, like, present uh, or just get exclamation them, point. Send a little photo of them raising their hands to show that they're present. Um, complain, complain about the video embeds, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to hear from you. Yeah. Just, just whatever. Gonna, no matter what you say, 
we're gonna um, we're gonna get one of these video embed complaints actually just on here and then tell them that they'll find out what's happening just if they make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> we need to find a get a, we need to get a better way of courting people into leaving viewer questions. Or just throw free games at people just to ask us something. Like I've got There's a no code if you ask me anything. Yeah. I'm not telling you what code it is, but I have it. We- Weirdly, it was like the first two episodes when the like audio quality, all of our quality of audio was, was shit. We got a whole bunch of questions, and then since it's improved, it's terrible. So maybe as we're sounding better, people are liking us less. Yeah, they can hear what we're saying now. Yeah, so <laughs> they can actually they hear us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they don't want any of it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, guys, thanks for listening, I hope. Um, yeah. and, All two uh, of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jason, as you're listening through this to edit it, hello. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then me, as I'm listening through it to post it. Uh, hi me. So that's that's all two of us that listen to it. Next week we're going to talk about uh, the the coming sequel to Detroit Become Human, uh, Fort Worth Become Human, mm-hmm. where it's a bunch of androids from Texas, mm-hmm. and we see how they discover humanity down there. <laughs> we don't like it anybody. Involves cattle, cattle, guns, deserts, cactuses, cow skulls. We don't have deserts, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for for listening. <laughs> Bye. Sure. Later.